With tensions rising across the Taiwan Strait, the U.S. has said on many occasions that it would take action should Beijing use force against Taiwan. Now, Australia and Japan have both unequivocally indicated their intentions to side with the U.S. Over the weekend, Australian Defense Minister Peter Dutton said it would be, quote, inconceivable for Australia not to join the U.S. should Washington take action to defend Taiwan. Meanwhile, Japan's Foreign Minister Hayashi Yoshimasa said that both Japan and the U.S. share the view of maintaining peace and stability in the Taiwan Strait. Incursions by Chinese warplanes have become a practically daily routine. Over the weekend, two J-11 and four J-16 jet fighters entered Taiwan's air defense identification zone. It might be pointed out that two of the J-16s encroached in the dead of night. With tensions across the Taiwan Strait growing ever tighter, the U.S. has on numerous occasions indicated that Washington and its allies would take unspecified action should the PRC attempt to alter the status quo through the use of force. In an interview with an Australian newspaper Saturday, Australian Defense Minister Peter Dutton stated his country needed to be prepared in the face of China's ever clearer intent about making moves on Taiwan. Dutton added that it would be inconceivable for Australia not to join the United States in the event that Washington takes actions to defend Taiwan. The U.S. and Japan strongly oppose China's attempt to unilaterally change the status quo in the East China Sea and South China Sea. The two nations have reached an important consensus on peace and stability in the Taiwan Strait. Japan's new foreign minister, Hayashi Yoshimasa, said on Saturday that he made a phone call shortly after assuming office to U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken. Hayashi said that he and Blinken shared the view that the peace and stability of the Taiwan Strait is important, and used the metaphor of being in a band to drive home his point about U.S.-Japan relations. This is a very important step in terms of establishing mutual trust. Blinken and I are like members in a band. We hope to create extraordinary harmonies together. Japan, Australia and the United States are sending a clear signal to Beijing. We might term it constructive strategic clarity, which indicates a very clear bottom line. Australia, the United States and Japan make up a strategic triumvirate which protects, first and foremost, the security and peace of the Taiwan Strait. If we add in the strengthening of Taiwan's defense forces, then it can be viewed as diamond-shaped security cooperation. Military experts point out that the clear stance that the three countries have adopted serves as a warning to China against crossing the line. What's to become of the Chiang Kai-shek Memorial Hall? The government's Transitional Justice Commission held a panel discussion Sunday to discuss the future of the national monument. In addition to scholars and experts, a dozen victims of political persecution were invited to weigh in on the contentious topic. Today, more than 30 years after Taiwan's democratization, there is still such a large space dedicated to commemorating a figure with a history of dictatorial practices. The current organic act of the memorial is mainly about remembering and commemorating former President Chiang Kai-shek. Is this still in line with the current democratic trend? Our term of office is until May 30th and we hereby submit a report to the executive UN. Worshiping a human like a god is absolutely unacceptable. The bronze statue has to be taken down. 
After the transition, we hope the place will be used to show how we rose up from suppression. The commission's plan is to transform the Shanghai Shek Memorial Hall into a park that prompts retrospection on authoritarianism. It hopes that the park's symbols of authoritarianism and the physical layout that points to authority can be removed, including how visitors file into the hall, which is currently designed to encourage worship of an authoritarian figure. It wants to make the entire building a living teaching material on history and a friendly space of diversity. The plan also emphasized that the removal of the bronze statue of Chiang Kai-shek must be, quote, irreversible so that it wouldn't be erected again after transitions of power. The Taiwan EPA and the community of foreign diplomats came together over the weekend for a first-of-its-kind joint beach cleanup. St. Lucia Ambassador Jasmine Huggins led the effort to revitalize and beautify a section of beach in Taoyuan. Ambassadors, representatives and government officials all rolled up their sleeves to restore the coastal ecosystem and promote awareness for the ocean's shared ocean. Dressed in windbreakers made from recycled PET bottles, foreign diplomats posted to Taiwan gathered up litter on a beach. They wanted to make a cleaner Taiwan by taking action. As a diplomatic corps in Taiwan, then we should give back in some way. And a beach cleanup seemed to be a very simple, easy, but yet effective way to show our gratitude to Taiwan. The head of Taiwan's foreign diplomatic corps said that all the diplomats here wanted to help organize and participate in an activity that would serve to remind everyone about the importance of caring for our environment. Since last May, the executive UN has been promoting its respect for our oceans policy as a way to increase awareness and protect marine ecosystems. As of the end of September, a total of 123,000 metric tons of garbage had already been collected from across Taiwan. In a first on Saturday, the Taiwan EPA cooperated with Taiwan's Foreign Diplomatic Corps to organize and jointly carry out a beach cleanup at Taoyuan's Guanyin Coastal Recreation Area. Countries represented with participating diplomats included Palau, Eswatini, and Paraguay. Taoyuan Mayor Chen Wenzhan also lent his hands for a cleaner Taiwan. I hope that the ambassadors, representatives and their family members have all shared in this extraordinary feeling. We have only one ocean, so let's work together to protect it. This activity linked up with Taoyuan City's promotion of its eco-friendly receptacles for a better Taoyuan program. And participants were each given a reusable, environmentally friendly cup to reinforce the concept of sustainability. The EPA aims to return marine habitats to their pristine beauty through successive cleanup events that promote awareness while bettering the environment. Marine ecosystems don't just all of a sudden get better, but by putting in the effort, we can forge closer bonds between people and marine environments. Recently, we've been promoting awareness of our oceans, and we hope that some of this beachside refuse can be recycled and repurposed. Not only can some fabrics or handicrafts be made from this cleanup, but so too can a closer connection to our oceans be made for everyone. More and more people have been volunteering in cleanups in recent years. Last year alone, more than 150,000 people took part in such activities. 
adding to the enthusiastic efforts of the public, has been the EPA's continuous investments in resources to give back to Earth a cleaner ocean. For five months in a row now, the inflation safety margin of 2% has been breached. The October Consumer Price Index of Everyday Commodities has come in at 3.07%. The executive yuan is now keeping a close eye on prices for commodities and produce to ensure they don't get manipulated. A stroll through the local wet market reveals that a caddy of green onions will now set you back 130 NT. And short ribs that cost just 600 NT per kilo a year ago now go for more than 1,000 NT. That's a 60% rise. In the last two years, ribeye steak prices have also gone up by 50%. A makeover of mountain infrastructure at Yangmingshan National Park has caused quite a stir. With COVID restrictions lifted, national parks are welcoming large numbers of eager visitors to their grounds this fall. At Yangmingshan, a pandemic-era renovation is now on display. It's caught the eye of many hikers. Let's see what all the fuss is about. Now that the pandemic has abated, nature lovers are heading up Yangmingshan for a dose of nature therapy. But there's more to this new landmark than meets the eye. It looks like it's man-made. It's a different color from the mountains around it and the vegetation. These hawk-eyed visitors could spot the artificial trees a mile off. These two rather darker trees located at Monghuan Pond in Yangmingshan National Park have piqued the curiosity of many visitors. Inside, they contain telecom base stations. <laughs> These two artificial trees cost over 1 million NT dollars to build. They were already here 10 years ago, but got a renovation in early 2020. They were originally built to improve mobile phone signal in the park. At national parks, we have to attend to public services and infrastructure while also protecting the natural landscape. So we asked the telecom company to take care of the aesthetics of these transmission towers. Letting a phone tower spoil the panorama at Yangmingshan would be a travesty, but officials were also keen to give visitors decent phone reception. The fake trees are attracting more attention than ever since they got their brush up. Next time you head up the mountain, watch out for a tree that might have a secret hidden in its bark. Last Sunday, we saw how an archery program transformed the lives of children in a remote Taidong community. Today, we return to Taidong's Luye Township to visit another local establishment created to keep kids off the streets. This is the Reiyuan Study Center, where children get homework help that they can't always get at home. Volunteers come to provide counseling and teach a wide variety of skills like woodworking and meditation. The Reiyuan Study Center is free to the children and it's always coming up with creative ways to stay afloat financially. Join us on a visit in our Sunday special report. <laughs> This tutor working with a school child is Jiang Wenhua. She returned to her hometown in Taitung after graduating from a university in Kaohsiung. During the day, she's a preschool teacher. At night, she's one of the long-term volunteers who look after the local children. They all attend the same classes at school, but some lack support from their families. Some of them indeed do go home after school and their parents teach them and go through their homework with them. 
but others might have only themselves to lean on. So there really is a difference in the resources they have. When we were setting up this study center, we had a notion of our own, which was that we wanted to see if we could do this project without government subsidies. We wanted to do this with support from local volunteers. Early on, our approach to teaching was, first, the teachers work with the kids on their homework, then the teachers teach whatever they know. This approach has made the curriculum extremely diverse, with classes ranging from meditation to woodworking. For example, we had a kid on the archery team who already graduated. He used to be quite far behind in his classes, so he'd always act out, seeking attention. He was too energetic. In the end, he joined our woodworking class and our sewing class. Now he's our little teaching assistant. That is to say, he's gotten back his confidence. The study center offers counseling as well as vouchers for free breakfasts at cooperating restaurants. How does it operate without government subsidies? How are all these expenses paid? One way they raise funds is by holding charity sales. They also run unmanned stores that are based on the honor system. This means that shoppers are trusted to pay before leaving. Today, thanks to funds from these ventures, the after-school program is sustainable but it still hasn't been able to find its ideal location. The after-school classes were originally housed in a small hut offered rent-free to the organization. But after a few years based there, problems started surfacing. At that venue, you stepped up onto an extremely dangerous road. Of course, we have to consider our students' safety when choosing a venue. We also have to consider the impact it would have on the peace and quiet of our neighbors. Two years ago, the study center moved to its current space, which is owned by the government. Although the location is safer, the space is one large room with no dividers to separate children who have finished their work and those who haven't. The association says it seeks a more suitable space. Meanwhile, the archery team is also struggling with a shortage of resources. In normal competitions, they use foam targets, but we can only use these plain ones made from straw. These targets are not as expensive as the foam ones, but they are more prone to spoiling, especially in Taidong's humid climate. The wind and sun and frequent usage make the centers cave in like a nest, like in this target here. Archery comes with a lot of expenses. You go through a lot of equipment, for example, one arrow alone costs 400 NT dollars. A bow is about 10,000 NT dollars to 20,000 NT dollars. Another thing is that the equipment must be adapted to the child's body. So when they grow up or if they get fatter, you have to adjust the equipment and get a different bow. Pennies are saved anywhere they can be saved. New students inherit chess cards from older ones. If they don't fit properly, they get fixed in place with safety pins or clips until they can be worn no more. To raise funds, Coach Chiu-Ling Li applied for sponsorships and subsidies through a government platform. I think that outstanding athletes should be looked after. There are many schools like ours, schools with students eager to learn. 
schools that care about promoting projects like this. It's possible someone might see us and offer us some guidance. With a shortage of resources and insufficient family support, many children in remote areas fall behind those in big cities. But when schools get help from the community, new opportunities open for the children. In the far-flung corners of Taitong, these young archers hope that one day they'll step up onto a stage to be noticed by the world. Taipei City has been pulling out all the stops recently to promote tourism. One of these efforts features a music video by pop sensation Accuse 5. This includes the cooperation of more than 30 tourism operators to promote Taipei overnight packages with backstage VIP passes for year-end galas. But operators feel that these marketing efforts have mostly come up short. Let's hear from one of them. Despite the pandemic, last year the Taipei City government promoted the Staycation Festival and add to that its Taipei voucher promotion. On top of those, the city also sponsored safe travel subsidies on its own accord. This year, none of these travel boosters are being offered and so hotel reservations for the New Year celebrations are way off expectations. Other hotel operators also voiced concern about Miramar's indecision surrounding its New Year's Eve fireworks show and how this has had a depressing effect on nearby hotel bookings. The prospects for this year's fireworks to light up hotel sales and rescue the industry from a bleak winter are looking dimmer by the day. Taiwan is holding its second Good Food Festival. The event puts the spotlight on sustainable food through forums and meatless markets. It also invites Taiwan to participate in a seven-day meatless challenge. For most of the news reporter Stephanie Yang caught up with diplomats from Australia, India and Israel to hear what their countries are doing to promote sustainable eating. 60% of Israel's land is desert. Israeli representative to Taiwan, Omar Kaspi, said the country has developed innovative technologies to develop sustainable agriculture. It's also built greenhouses in the desert. In Israel, uh, we focus mostly on technology, on finding innovative solutions uh, to develop uh, food that will be more sustainable and for agriculture that will uh, last longer using less uh, resources be much more uh, efficient. Pandemic of course affected uh, everything. Uh, I think in the past year we saw uh, a great uh, jump forward in developing all these ways uh, to provide these uh, products in uh, a fast and uh, reliable way. Australia is the world's major food producer and the third largest food supplier to Taiwan. Australia is known for its high-quality dairy products, but many people may be unaware that Australia ranks high in the Vegetarian Cities Index. We are a big exporter of grains uh, to Taiwan. Barley, wheat, for example, are, are two of the uh, plant-based products that we sell. Also, Australian oats are becoming very, very popular here, both as a breakfast food and as an ingredient that goes into plant-based milk. And I'm very happy to see a lot of Australian products available in Taiwan, and that's one area we're cooperating. 
Deputy Director General of the India Taipei Association said that vegetarian food is part of the Indian lifestyle. Regardless of people's dietary preferences and religious beliefs, vegetarian food is cherished by all Indians. The Indian model for sustainability and vegetarianism is a gift of our civilization and our philosophy, which is to be with one one with nature and to respect all the living beings. And we see a lot of Indian restaurants in Taiwan, so we welcome more and more Taiwanese to try out Indian food, Indian vegetarian cuisine, and also the other parts of Indian culture which have to do with sustainable lifestyle. The 2021 Good Food Festival is organized by Li Ren, a Taiwanese organic retail chain. As part of the festival, it's invited four vegetarian-friendly countries to share their views and practices on sustainable diets. One speaker was Taiwanese Digital Minister Audrey Tang. The first step in promoting sustainable eating is making it easier for everyone to access sustainable ingredients. And in Taiwan, social entrepreneurs are making a difference doing precisely that. For example, my own lunchboxes came from a startup called Fresh Recipe. I want to uh, promote the vegetarian's uh, food. Uh, so actually this is the best way to uh, cut down our carbon carbon emission. Actually we uh, we have a seven days uh, try for vegetarian. If you want to participate in this uh, uh, I mean the campaign uh, you can we will do the blood test for you. Uh, in a hospital or clinic and after seven days of vegetarian food you're having uh, after that you can do another te blood test so you can tell the difference the festival will be held from november 1st till february 7th aside from forum discussions there will also be a vegetarian seven-day challenge organizers said they hope to invite more people to experience the benefits of vegetarianism and build a more sustainable future for Muslim News, Stephanie Yang, Zhong Shu Hui in Taipei.